Today's episode of The Ringer MBA Show is brought to you by Belvedere. Produced in one of the world's longest-running distilleries, Belvedere Vodka is the world's finest all-natural vodka. Crafted by a collective of master distillers, Belvedere is made with non-GMO Polish rye, pure water, and no additives recognized for quality. Belvedere was named the ISC World Vodka Producer of the Year in 2015, 16, and 17. Enjoy a delicious cocktail with Belvedere Vodka today, and remember to always drink responsibly. Basketball is very good. The Raptors are the best team in the East. Phil Jackson actually saved the Knicks. Mark L. Fultz will be an all-star next year. Basketball is very good. Hello and welcome to Group Chat. My name is Chris Ryan. I am joined by Paolo Ugetti. What's up? Justin Verrier. Hi, Chris. It's raining in Southern California and it's raining gossip in San Antonio, Texas. Love it. We begin with a report from Woj on ESPN that the Spurs had a players-only meeting in which they, quote, implored Kawhi Leonard. Great word, by the way. To come back. The chronology of the reporting coming out of San Antonio has been pretty interesting because a couple days ago, there were some Manu quotes about kind of defeated sounding of just like, he's not coming back. Kawhi Leonard is not coming back. He's been nursing this quad injury. There have been stories all year. First, there was the stories about tension within... Uh, with Kawhi and the Spurs. And there was some stuff with Kawhi and Jumpman and how he wanted a bigger deal from them. It's been more or less confirmed that medically Kawhi has been cleared by the Spurs, but that he has his own team. And even Pop said this a couple days ago, like his guys who are looking at his quad, who are kind of evaluating his quad and whether or not it's pain or whether or not there's actually still something medically wrong, I we don't know. Mm. But we had the Manu quote, which was just kind of like this somber Kawhi's not coming back the cavalry is not coming and that apparently was today we have a report that they had a players only meeting where they implored Kawhi to like you know buck up and come through moments after this Woge report comes out (laughs) several members of the Spurs started tweeting that it was BS Brandon Paul did a little like satire of it Mm -hmm. and Danny Green was like it couldn't be further from the truth both Mm -hmm. well done in their own different way Yeah. yeah so this is Interesting on a lot of different levels. One, the immediacy with which these guys hit up yeah. Twitter to like dispute this story, which just goes to show that everybody's kind of addicted to social media <laughs> and immediately knows when there's been a you know sources say story written about their team. Two, the pushback, which is something that the Spurs had not done a lot of this year. They have allowed this story to kind of fester. Popovich gave that post practice interview where he was just like, "We got to know who we're going to be with. Like, we got to know who we're going to run out there." Mm-hmm. What do you think of this story, man? It's so strange. Yeah, I mean, it speaks to the whole idea that we've been talking about throughout, kind of tracking this, just like how different this is for the Spurs. Yeah. But this one in particular almost feels like there's a different arena happening outside of like the day-to-day of a team and like the media interaction there. There's almost like a woge zone now (laughs) where it's like, Things are true and someone said them, but we don't know where they're coming from because they're all anonymously sourced. Yes. And now you almost have a pushback from the other side. So there's there's like these warring factions. And I think for us, you kind of sit back and watch it all play out. Like, I'm just confused. Yeah. yeah. I, I just really want to know what's going on here. And for someone, perhaps on the spur side of things, to basically just come out and say, this is how it actually is. And this is what we're going to do going yeah, forward. Yeah, Pop's right. been relatively quiet. RC's been relatively quiet about it. I, mean, I don't know if RC Buford's commented on it at all and one thing you have to ask yourself Paolo when you see these stories is what's the end game right like what what are the various parties here trying to accomplish we can't know where it's coming from 
right? The sure. sources. But I think the goal probably is just to get Kawhi back on the court. Like, I think that there's probably a contingent with the Spurs that is just like, we've cleared this guy. Like, there, there's got to be pent-up frustration by now of like, when is he coming on the court? You know, we had that report too where it's like, oh, he's coming yeah, Thursday like, against the Pelicans, last right? Week. It was yeah, it was last week. last week. And then yeah. like, nothing. So I think if there is any end game at all that we can kind of parse through through all these reports and details is that like, people want Kawhi on the court. And maybe there's just kind of butting heads about how to go about that or how different people feel passionately about whether he should or shouldn't come back. But I think it seems like that's like the end game here. And at the same time, I'm just like, I think it's hilarious that, of course, this is like the season we're talking about the Spurs the most. And it's because of like an <laughs> yeah. entire, like it just happened to be that way. Yeah, I we're not used to seeing a Spurs team with a relatively mediocre record. Mm-hmm. And this was a team that I think was specifically built because they liked what they saw in the Western Conference Finals in the one three quarters that Kawhi played mm-hmm. against the Warriors. And they were like, we like our chances with our best guys healthy. And so they did, you know, Manu came back and they do have an older team that was sort of built to compete in the playoffs, I think, even though now in retrospect, you have to wonder whether or not, especially with the rise of Houston, if they could have really competed with those two teams. Mm-hmm. But we'll probably never know. Yeah, they were probably trying to tank is what happened. <laughs> uh, I do think it's interesting that even in the week or two since we last talked about this, uh, it seems like they've made enough of a step forward to mm-hmm. at least mm-hmm. stay out of like the fray like underneath the A-seed. I think yeah. it's really impressive. That- LaMarcus is on a roll. Like, yeah. I, I, if you look at his... I think over the last six games, he has he scored like 25, 37, 33, 30. Like, yeah. I think he had 27 last night. He's just been on fire. And like, that's obviously, that's kind of what they needed because that would be Kawhi providing that kind of production. And they're having a tough schedule and they're beating these teams like the Wizards last night. So it's working out for them in the sense of staying in the playoff race and not being on the fringes. Right. While the Nuggets flub like their best chance yeah, exactly. at doing this as the Clippers just kind of can't really get over the hump there. A team that's like Pau Gasol and Marcus Aldridge and Tony Parker claiming he wants to play three more years and Kyle Anderson playing for a contract and, <laughs> yeah, and a John bunch Kimberley. of guys. Yeah. They're six right now. Yeah. And I know it's just like a complete car wreck in, in the middle of the West right now, but that's saying something. They're ahead of the Wolves. I guess my big question is, is this about the Spurs medical team or is it about Kawhi? So my question is, is would this still be the case if Kawhi was on the Lakers? Is, it, is there something here that is a hidden sort of protest about playing for the Spurs for some reason? Or is it literally just Kawhi is like, this is a bad injury and I'm still not over it and you guys want me to come back and just because it says the quad is healed, it doesn't feel like it's healed and I don't know, I, you know I, I'm not ready. The strangest thing about this is if there is any team, any franchise who I think has played it relatively safe with their guys yeah. and said, hey, okay, so you're, you're out for the season. And the Spurs haven't done that with Kawhi and Kawhi hasn't come out and said, I'm not going to play this year. Right. I think we don't know is the best way we can answer that. But I do think we have more of a track record with this franchise than anyone else. And it points to the institution and all the various parts, their medical staff and their sports science staff is at the forefront of the league. And they've been that way for years, almost Mm -hmm. decades. And when we have Kawhi, we actually didn't know much about him. We knew that he played basketball really well. We knew he was a fringe MVP candidate, but we really didn't know this guy on a personal level. We like we kind of defaulted to the fact that he was a robot and he just yeah. doesn't say anything funny. And now it's almost maybe we're hearing more about him or maybe more specifically more about like the people closest to him who are talking for him. I just think the most surprised, like I, I'm echoing you guys, but essentially like we know that this is like a coach that, purposefully rest guys yeah. just in the middle of the season national tv games so that like the absence of rest or the fact that they want to get him back from essentially resting and 
playing out his injury uh, off the court is just so shocking that I don't even know what to do. Yeah, with and that. then you also have Kawhi a couple weeks ago saying, I want to be a spur for life. So the, well, the, the, the I inability, say about that. they can't put this story to bed. And that's right. the hardest part is neither yeah. side seems to be able to put this story to bed. The Spurs could end it by saying he's not going to come back this season. But instead they're like, you know, we have to play with who we've got. It's like a weird lack of definitive yeah. statements that I think is they're what's They're like affecting. subtweeting each other back and forth. A little bit. Yeah, and Kawhi saying that like he's a spur for life, I almost roll my eyes at that immediately just because that's the type of like blanket statement that someone's going to say in response to all these yeah, things right. happening and which is leading me to almost question the Brandon Pauls and the Danny Greens because they're more likely to, to toe the party line whereas like the anonymous sources at least will speak truth sure. just under the veil of of just like having yeah. anonymity. So it's it's a mess. I just want to know what's happening. Yeah, right. me too. All right, so let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsors, and we're going to come back and talk about some pre-playoff questions we have about some playoff teams. Today's episode of the Ringer NBA show is brought to you by Google Assistant. With the Google Assistant, you can complete over a million actions on your phone, in your car, and around the house. For example, hey, Google, add chips and salsa to my shopping list. Okay, I've added chips and salsa to your shopping list. Download the Google Assistant. The Ringer NBA show is also brought to you by Yahoo Baseball. Spring training is in full swing, and it's time to start thinking about your Yahoo Fantasy Baseball drafts. Flex your skills as a real GM and crush your league with the Yahoo Fantasy app. The Yahoo Fantasy app is the number one mobile app for fantasy baseball. Draft, trade, and manage your team right from your phone. The new weekly scoring format makes it even easier to run your team all season. Use the Set Active Players feature to set your lineup for the week in one tap. Sign up now at yahoo.com slash fantasy baseball. Create your own league or join a public league. Don't miss out on baseball season. Yahoo Fantasy Baseball is the official fantasy game of Major League Baseball. All right, guys. So last night, the Cavaliers beat the Raptors 132-129. And there was something Larry Drew said that kind of prompted me to think about these ideas of, of, of some pre-playoff questions we have for these teams. Larry Drew... He's got his moment here because Ty Lue is away from the team for medical reasons. Larry Drew said, I always say there is one game during the season that changes your team. That game can be early, it can be midway, it can be late, but there's one game that kind of changes your team, the mindset, and I really believe that tonight's game might have done that for us. Coming off a 35-17 and 17 game, LeBron James responded, turn around the season, we've only got like 11 more games left. <laughs> so, maybe seeing why Larry Drew is not necessarily the head coach of this team, but... Did you see anything from Cleveland last night as we approached the postseason that made you think they turned the corner? I mean, it's kind of exactly what you would want from a Cleveland team, kind of like flipping the switch here mm -hmm. in, in the second half and maybe going into the playoffs. I think for me, the biggest takeaway was that I almost forgot Kevin Love existed. And when we were doing all these analysis of, of all these teams going into the playoffs and, oh, the, the East is a mess you almost forgot that he was going to come back and provide a dynamic that like they just didn't have before. Like LeBron can make a lot of nothing, right? But the fact that he has a clear-cut second banana, I mean, I think it makes, means a big deal for this team. That was a big thing that I noticed last night was yeah. that Kevin Love never got a chance really to play the plan B. When he went down, it was he sort of had a good opening part of the season. Isaiah Thomas came back his numbers cratered, and then he broke his hand. And so he never got to just play the second option yeah. on this offense. And then last night, I was just noticing, first of all, 
just a great game from him. But second of all, he knows what to do in relationship to LeBron on the floor. Like when LeBron, he can tell based on certain things that LeBron's doing, whether LeBron's going to shoot or want to pass. And you could see his movement through the lane or backing up and getting into position to shoot that there was just a familiarity with LeBron that all these five other guys who just arrived don't have. Yeah, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but Juliet and I have been on Kevin Love Corner for a while now, (laughs) whether it's been through his social media or on the court. But I think you're right. Like, in a weird way, he's become the guy that LeBron has to rely on and that he he's, has the most the confidence on. He's the guy he was on. supposed to be when they traded Wiggins for him. Exactly. Yeah. And now he has to have the most confidence in them because he's the one who's been there the longest, essentially. Like, I guess if you want to count like Jared Smith. But, you know, he's the guy who is going to be there in the corner in that perfect spot for LeBron to kick it out. And he'll get, he's going to hit the three most of the time. So I think he's changing the dynamic of the team altogether, which is making them this good. But at the same time, I think... It all kind of goes back to LeBron, and I'm sure we're going to talk about this, but these are the type of games that make you believe in the Cavs, even though when everything else yeah, is telling you is, not we to. We were at a bar last night, yeah. a bunch of us were watching, and it was like, you just don't bet against LeBron in the playoffs. Right. Like, this is a really good example of not betting against LeBron James in the playoffs. And it was, you know, last 20 games, he's averaged a triple-double, 30.5 points on 55% shooting, 40 from three, 10, 10 and a half boards, and 10 and a half assists per night in the last 20 games. It's insane. Yeah, he played 39 minutes last night. He does not look at all like he's slowing down. He was responsible for 80 points he either scored or assisted on last night. Mm-hmm. The guy is, he is this team right now, and he is... I kept waiting for him to dip. I kept waiting for him to need a week off. I kept waiting for a weird ankle injury that was hobbling him. And it just it seems like he's getting stronger and stronger as the season goes on. If James Harden wasn't having one of the great offensive seasons yeah. in the history of basketball, you could make the argument that LeBron's like pushing his way back into the MVP race. But now, I guess the question I have is that, yeah, they, they won last night. They still give up 129 points. <laughs> and there were a couple of nights where Solo was tweeting about this. A lot of people were showing, like, their defense still sucks. It's really bad. It's bad. Yeah, it, they still had to win a track meet, which was still the case when Kyrie was there. I think even at their best, yeah. they were going to have to overwhelm a team with offense. And even in the playoffs, it was really like LeBron can beat you, Kyrie can beat you in iso ball, and that's still very important. And I think if you wanted to bet for them in the East, that's still the reason to bet for LeBron. I'm curious if they have enough defensively and if they have the right parts defensively. Because if you say their best five is some combination of a front court with Larry Nance, Kevin Love, and LeBron, then who's the four in that situation? And if Kevin Love has to chase around the Pascal Siakam, some of the three-point shooters, is that like a weak spot that teams are going to be able to exploit in a way that they couldn't maybe in the playoffs when he was playing more five? Yeah, I mean, I I think that they were probably hoping that that would be set off by... George Hill being a better yeah. perimeter defender. Sure. But I don't know. I mean, like last night, there was a lot of sleeping JR moments. There was yes. a lot of sleeping LeBron moments. There's like one that's like Van Vliet with 11 feet half, yeah. with LeBron just like being yeah. like, yeah. No. And you know what? Here's the thing is that maybe the reason why LeBron James is averaging a triple double in the last 20 games as we hit the end of the regular season and he has played every single game this year is because some nights he's just like, I'm not running after Fred Van Vliet. <laughs> just if I'm, not, I'm not just going <laughs> to yeah. pretend effort, you know, effort merchant this yeah if it's not actually worth it <laughs> he knows how to allocate his resources like he's 33 come on like he's gotta he's gotta give and take but i think the one thing i thought i saw last night was like watching the game 
I was like kind of impressed by Kevin Love's defense and like effort even. And I yeah. was like, that's probably not the best sign, but at least, you know, that he's the best defender. He like recovered on a hedge and I was like, who yeah. the fuck is this guy? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. It was amazing. Yeah. He was really good at times. They were actually pretty thin last night. No Nance, no Hood, no Osmond, no Corver, no Thompson. Hmm. So, you know, the theme of the NBA season to me, aside from the Rockets who have pretty much been a wire to wire juggernaut, is that we just don't know who any of these teams are because of right. injuries, because of trades, because of getting to know you, because, oh, now Roberson's out, so we don't know who the Thunder are anymore. And now they've flipped over the entire Cavs roster, so we have to figure out who they are. And the Warriors are going through nobody's ever healthy at the same time or in shape at the same time. Mm -hmm. So, like, other than the, than the Rockets, one of the reasons why I'm asking these questions is I don't really know who these teams are. Now, the other team besides the Rockets, who I think deserve the least amount of questioning is the Raptors. Yeah, right. That's what I was going to say. Like you were saying, like, we don't know what these teams are and we do know what the Raptors are because they've also been kind of wired to wire in a way. But at the same time, we're just prone to doubt them. Okay, we, but we know that yeah. they're whiners is what we know. Okay, that's <laughs> I was going to ask you if you feel like there is any Raptors freeze up last night. I mean, they just beat the, the Rockets like a week ago or whatever that game was. And, you know, they lost to the Thunder over the weekend. But was there any big stage national game, LeBron on the road? And they've mm. been making a big deal about the refs in the last couple of weeks. Like, I understand it. I understand they're the chip on the shoulder, but it does feel like they're like, look, we're like, we're not getting the respect we deserve. So like, don't expect too much. Yeah. And I, I watched that entire Thunder game that they played, I think on Sunday. And not only was them on the court, but their like broadcasters were yeah. like mm. kind of warping everything into them not having respect and making this a sign of like fake news, fake refs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe a little bit. I mean, that game last night was just a showing of all the good with the Raptors and all the potential downside in the playoffs just because when they scored, what was it, 80 in the first half? Yeah. We were all like, damn. Yeah. yeah. Look at Toronto. This is a wrap. This is it. Yeah. yeah. And then they kind of just like put up an egg and they put up, I think, 20 points in that third quarter. Yep. And it really speaks to what we all feared about them where it's like LeBron is the best player on the court and in the playoffs, it becomes a little reductive and a little more simplistic and he could just win a game for you. Yeah. And I was going through the Cavs splits through the year and I don't have anything like hardcore to, to report, but it was definitely, you know, their losses are generally they're shooting around 30% from three. Yeah. And last night they shot, I think, like 65%. That's their three. offense. Yeah. Like they're three and more they're, shots. Yeah. So, but they're well, streaky. That's yeah. the thing. And if they are hitting, a 20 point lead doesn't matter. Uh, Raptors being up 20 in the beginning of the third is not a yeah. big deal, you know? And so that's, that's the thing that I think the Raptors need to guard against is complacency. And I also think that last night there was a little bit of them getting out of their stuff. There was a little mm -hmm. bit of, okay, give it to DeMar and clear out. Yeah. And I think that one thing that we thought they had kind of turned the page with here was a more elegant offense that limited the usage of Lowry a little bit more, made him more of like a Chris yeah. Paul type player. But I saw a lot of like DeMar hoping that he got a call. But and I that's just going to be a, it's a risk if you want to play that way down the fourth quarter. Although that's the way most NBA play teams play. In the and if you want to play in the playoffs like that, because, you know, we're championing their system as being more fluid. But at the same time, we know how playoff games work. And we know that at some point they're going to have to give the ball to DeMar and be like, go get us a basket. Yeah. So I think it's, I mean, it's the whole thing of like, who's their alpha, you know? And obviously it's DeMar. It's been kind of clear that way. But at the same time, can he? 
do it in a game like this or in, in the playoffs. Yeah, I think in their defense, God forbid that I'm the one defending the Raptors right He's now. He's a North. Wow. Come on. <laughs> Sorry, of Northeast. Um, <laughs> I think they have enough pieces on that team to potentially counter some uh-huh. of these mistakes that they made in a seven-game series, whereas like in the chess mass, maybe they, they have the advantage simply because they have more interesting pieces. Yeah, Tim Cato um, wrote an interesting piece for SB Nation about like the difference between depth and the size of their rotation. You know, mm-hmm. their rotation is inevitably going to shrink, but yeah. they do have depth. It's really cool when in the playoffs a coach can go into the into the bag and be like, "Bang! Now I I picked right, and this guy had a big night because you didn't have you you weren't ready for Norman Powell to have a twenty five point yeah. night or something like that. Mm-hmm. We haven't seen that from Norman Powell in a while, but they do have a lot of options off the yeah. bench. I just don't know who the third guy is for them. Pascal, you think so? <laughs> I don't know. No, I, mean, I don't know if you saw Coach well. Tyler, but he is yeah. Muerto. <laughs> yeah, that's true. We're gonna keep talking about pre playoff questions, but first a quick word from our sponsors. Today's episode of the Ringer NBA show is brought to you by Coca-Cola and Powerade. If you are into sports, then it is your favorite time of year. NCAA March Madness. With so many games, you never know what's going to happen. That's why you need to be ready for whatever the next round brings. And make sure your fridge isn't empty by halftime. Swing by Walmart before every round and stock up on Coca-Cola, Coke Zero Sugar, and Powerade before the next one tips off. Coca-Cola is the official fan refreshment of the NCAA. Be sure to watch all the games by picking up Coca-Cola and Powerade all tournament long. Guys, impromptu invitation. Why don't you come over to my house? I got a refrigerator full of Coke Zero Sugar. I'll get some chips going. We'll watch the Sweet 16. Is that what we're at, Sweet 16? Yeah, sure. Love basketball. We'll be great. NCAA March Madness isn't just one game. It's a whole tournament, so make sure you're ready. Refresh every round by heading to Walmart, picking up some Coca-Cola, Coke Zero Sugar, and Powerade. All right, guys. I want to talk about some of these hot teams and... Are they hot or not? Like, how how mm. hot is hot? How hot can it get in March? Is this the Tinderization of group chat? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to go down that path. I don't want to swipe either way on any of these guys. But look, I want to talk about Portland. Zach Lowe had a big piece about them on ESPN today. And, you know, they're reliably the most entertaining team in the league right now. I think that they sort of, like, encapsulate the coolest parts about modern offense without, like, winding the clock down and then foul hunting like the Rockets do. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dame and CJ are out of their minds. Aminu, Harkless, and Evan are shooting well. Nurkic is Nurkic again. Do they need a plan C if their backcourt's not firing on all cylinders? And can they rely on Mo, Evan, and Aminu continuing to shoot well? Their plan C is should, but probably is too early to say this, but I will say their plan C should be Zach Collins. Wow, what a shout. <laughs> yeah. well, so it should be Nurkic, right? Because yes. he's the third guy. Yeah. But I think... Zach Collins is playing better. Talk to me like, about Zach Collins. I, just, a little bit. I don't know. Like, I'm going to try to do my best Jonathan Sharks impression <laughs> here because he's obsessed with him. But I mean, he's just so much so nobody expected him to be this good so far. And he's kind of doing all the little things you want to see from a guy in this first season. But the problem is that they're going to, they're having to use him more so than they probably even expected. Uh-huh. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I'm all here for. What's his game like? I mean, he's just like, yeah, he's just like a stretch. Yeah. He's a stretch for, he's a super athletic, has wingspan, and he's kind of just, he's still raw, but he's very much like, he can hit the, you know, the, the mid-range jumper and then also just defend in the way that's disturbing, you know what I'm saying, so, yeah. to the opposing offense. So he's just been, I think he's been just a lot of fun to watch. When I saw Zach Collins in Summer League, I was like, Olshay is going to get fired over this pick. <laughs> I think at He's one point, Jimmy Butler was like calling him out from the bench. It was really? like, who is this dude? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that, that was I saw out. them play against Utah and, and Donovan Mitchell like ate his liver 
like in front of, <laughs> of in front of an entire gym at the Thomas and Mac. It was pretty good. Yeah, it do, it does speak to just like where Nurkic is at at this point. He's yeah. just kind of like not as consistent as you need him to be if he's your third guy. He just kind of comes and goes in like yeah. especially in that game when he got dunked on by LeBron. Yeah, then just you couldn't hear from him again that game. Yeah, he just kind of disappeared. So I think Collins is their third guy on offense, but. You're kind of otherwise relying on a collective, and I think that's the concern with this team. Well, this is the sort of thrust of Zach's ESPN piece is the the elimination of two-pointers that they've sort of gone through this season. Is Their defense has obviously tightened up a lot, and a lot of that has to do with Nurkic, but that they've essentially turned this into an inside-outside game. I will be really interested to get to the end of the playoffs and see if like we maybe got a little addled on three-pointers. Like hmm. like if, if, a good, if a team that probably deserved to go a little farther in the postseason wound up hitting a cold streak in a playoff series and and losing it because of that. I'll be curious about that. Yeah, I mean, I've always pushed back slightly on this point just because of the math involved. Yeah, of course, yeah. yeah. But you're right. I think there are going to be some times where we run into potentially a Houston situation like last year where it's like, well, yeah. the, the Spurs defense is completely engineered to force you into the middle where you don't want to go. Exactly. And right. if you know that in advance, like you become predictable at the very least. Yeah, I, I don't think that this is going to affect Golden State or Houston or even sure. you, you know Cleveland for that matter. But Although I, it could, but it's teams that are just a little bit like if your regular season stuff starts to sputter a little bit, what do you do to get the, the baskets you need? That's just, I just, just curious. I, I think Portland's going to be dynamite. I mean, like, I, I can't wait to see them in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I think the other thing that I've heard some people talk about is just their backcourt is good, but their size, you know, they're not, like, necessarily big. Yeah. You know, so if they come across, like, a maybe, like, John Wall, I will, that would be in the finals, obviously. But just, like, if they come up across, like, a more athletic, bigger backcourt, that could get them into like out of rhythm. Like Probably, night, they're going to have to face Dejounte Murray, who is you know, not <laughs> John guy. Wall, like in terms of reputation, but yeah. he's a pretty monstrous defender already. Right. Yeah, there's a really excellent NBA Reddit video that someone put up where it's CJ and Dame at dinner with Chris Haynes saying, yeah. "No more layups, no more layups," <laughs> and then just the entire Houston Rockets team just going for, for layups. layups? Yeah. It's like <laughs> that's at amazing. Least Fifteen or twenty. I'm not joking. It's it's a fantastic video, but that's right. what they're facing because the defense has been good this year, but it needs to be on another level in the playoffs which they haven't shown in the past I feel like Portland has played well enough to sort of elevate themselves into like a, a different tier of, of, of team than the yeah. following ones that we're going to talk about but here's a here's a selection of hot teams and I just want to know who you trust the most after we kind of get through the end of this my question about the Sixers is can they live with Ben, ben Simmons's absentee jumper I mean can you win a playoff series if let's say I, I mean, there is no answer for Embiid, but let's say the packing the paint and trying to stop Embiid as much as possible is the defensive philosophy of whoever the Sixers play. What do you do with a guy who can't shoot beyond 14 feet? And can the Sixers just rely on Bellinelli and JJ to get their points? And Dario. And Dario. <laughs> and big Dario. I mean, it's worked so far. This seems to be the popular just talking point with the Sixers, and I think it's the right one just because this is going to be their like existential question, not only in the playoffs, but like going forward yeah. if mm-hmm. Fultz doesn't come back or they don't get a guy to fill that, what is it, fourth or fifth chair to spread the floor sure. around them. Sure, sure. Uh, I'm kind of somewhere in the middle. Wait and see. I think, like you mentioned, like what is the counter for Embiid? You look at a lot of these teams, especially in the East. Is there any center? Yeah, like Miles Turner can't yeah. stop him, right? You know, and so can can someone like stop him in the post? And if he flares out to the three point line, is he going to hit enough shots in order to make them respectable? It might come down to something like that. Can Embiid just be on the level of LeBron? And as, as we saw in the All Star game, not the best like 
indicator of what's going to happen in the playoffs, yeah. but like he can hang. And can he yeah. play 35 minutes a night in a series where the games come fast and furious, right? I think, uh, yeah, I mean, I think with Simmons, like, yes, it's what everybody loves to say is, you know, the, the game slows down in the playoffs and then you're going to be forced to hit these mid-range jumpers, which obviously he has not been able to do, or threes for that matter. But it's in terms of like expectations, when I think of the Sixers, I'm like, okay, they're they're in the playoffs. That's already a win, right? I mean, I mean, yeah. maybe you can they're, disagree. Not only are they in the playoffs, me, they're for the fourth seed right now. Yeah, right. And yeah, JJ's getting those New York Time features about, <laughs> about idiosyncrasies. Yeah, yeah. what are great. we doing? <laughs> I can do a so, feature on you. Oh wow, I don't know if I'd want that. Um, <laughs> You've got some idiosyncrasies though. <laughs> yeah, I do, I do. But I don't know. Like, I think that it's already so. It's like okay, if they take whoever they play in the fifth seed, if they play the four five to six, seven games. And even if it does come down to, oh, we can point to losing this series because maybe Ben's shot isn't there, mm-hmm. then it's like, okay, that's a point of improvement going forward. And it goes back to finding the next fill-in option. So yeah. it's, it's just, you know, it's it's an expectation thing for me, at least. The strange thing about where they're seated now is that there's a bunch of different variety, like there's a bunch of scenarios in which the Sixers are sixth or seventh or even eighth and a first round exit is fine. I, it's hard to stomach, for as good as the Pacers have been this season, I expect the Sixers to beat them in the playoffs. Can we uh, take a Sixers-Chris temperature check right now? Um, like, where are you with them? Like, you know how, like, when you have a fever... Right. And then so like you have your fever and then the next day you're you you feel enough better that you're like high on your own recovery. And so you get in the car and go to work and then like midway to work, you're like, oh, God, I still have a fever. Yes. (laughs) I'm at, oh, God, I still have a fever. So I came down a little bit where I was like, it's time to it's time to level out and stop stop slacking so much about Markel Fultz coming back. (laughs) And then now I'm just like, they just consistently just like win games and they win games in a way that they're not streaky. They're just like putting teams down and they're beating teams that they're supposed to beat. So it's, it's actually, it's rabid. I would say, I think I I need a series of shots. Yeah. Yeah, They had the easiest schedule down the stretch and they've just been like taking care of it. I'm just saying like in the sense of like, they've been taking care of those teams as opposed to like being like, Oh, we have to, you know, still yeah. haven't beat out there four minutes up. Yeah, so. Denver, I mean, Denver should be, like, this is the, they're the opposite of Denver. Denver's scoring, like, 140 points a night and losing. Yeah. You know, and, the, like, they're going to probably wind up, like, having a new coach next year and a completely, like, a largely different team because of it. Uh, all right, let's keep talking about some of these hot teams and seeing who we trust. Utah, which is... Man, like their 92 defensive rating since the All-Star break is mouthwatering. They're insane. Their lineup is so I don't, good. I I'm sure Houston is going to beat Utah in the playoffs if they f- see each other. But man, I bet Houston wishes they had an easier first round out. Yeah, I, yeah. I just came in to the office today listening to David Locke, who's the yeah, Locke. Utah, Utah Jazz uh, play-by-play guy and also does his own podcast network. But basically, just talking up their defense and claiming like Rudy Gobert is a top 10 player. Yeah. And it's not that far out of like the realm of possibility simply because of the impact he's had for this team. Like you look around at what they're doing, like Ray O'Neal is shooting something like 20% from three from the break. Ricky Rubio all of a sudden is just like a cog in this offense. And you just look at like what they've been able to do, not only on defense, but like just finding the best of some of these just like spare parts that put together it's enough Spursian. of an offense. It's yeah. Yeah. And I don't like you said. I don't know if they can hang with the with the Rockets. I don't know if they can hang with the Warriors. But it's going to be really fascinating to see, like, just kind of the chess match between some of these guys. Yeah, and I think that they are definitely a nothing to lose team. Which is, yeah, I, I think they're going to come out and be ferocious mm. at, against the Rockets. And I also, you know, 
I mean, the only thing that really Houston has going for them is there's no such thing as the Salt Lake City flu. Like, <laughs> you know, yeah. so, that nightlife, you know? Yeah. So I, I, think that, I think that they'll be fine on the road against Utah. It's also not a hard trip to make. You know what I mean? Right, like, yeah. I think that, uh, I, I think that they, were, they will lose a game to Utah at least. Yeah. But I don't know. I think Utah's a year away. And, and, and one, a, a Rodney Hood, Gordon Hayward guy Mm. away from really being a top four Western Conference team. Yeah. Well, I think the thing with that I think about with them is, okay, so they're good on defense, but what about what, how reliant they are on offense? And I think, I think too much of the burden for my taste, particularly, falls on Donovan Mitchell still. So I, and I actually went and looked this up, and I think he's had his splits in terms of like uh, the teams he's played against. He's had his worst games in terms of like net rating or and all that. And yeah. I don't know how much stock you want to put on that against the Rockets. Mm. So oh, interesting. Yeah, so I thought that was really interesting and I'm like, okay, maybe they do something that kind of throw, 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 throws him off or in some way. Um, but at the same time, it just goes back to like, you can't really have a rookie leading your offense in the playoffs. Maybe he kind of breaks that com- conventional thinking, but I, I, that's what I'm worried about the most. I do th- agree with you though that they're pro- they'll probably steal a game in, like, in Salt Lake for sure. Yeah, I think what they're doing with Donovan as their number one option is probably already in some way unprecedented. I don't yeah, have any stats yeah. to say that, but like the fact they're at 40, ga- uh, 40 wins right now, they're probably going to push to what, like 45-ish by the end of yeah. the season? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it would also be completely unprecedented if a rookie led an offense in one of the It reminds series. me of when Kawhi became what he, like, you know, his, Kawhi, what was his second season was the, yeah. was when he really popped so. off. Yeah. And then by 2011 or 2012 is when he won the finals. 2012. 2011, 2012. So even yeah. there, that's a couple of years. I guess it's like more like Kawhi being in terms of like the same, around the same draft pick number and also like people being like, oh, I didn't know. I had no idea. Yeah. I had no idea. But Kawhi is... Was was had an off like brought through an offensive game that I don't think anybody knew he had in his pocket, you know. Whereas Donovan was a pretty high usage guy at Louisville. I just don't think people thought it would necessarily translate, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, talking about usage, like I looked this up yesterday just because I was curious, and him and Dennis Smith Jr. are having two of the ten most high usage rookie seasons. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, last year Embiid's was in the top ten too. His his high usage. Or, um, so I mean, he only played like well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, but if, if, you, if you qualify by minutes, uh, these two guys that are having the you know highest usage for a rookie, at least in the top ten for like all seasons. So I mean, that's pretty interesting. I thought I want to wrap up by talking about the Heat, the hottest team. The most <laughs> inscrutable team. Yeah. The most inscrutable team. James Johnson scores 39 one night, scores four the next. You know what I mean? Or yep. whatever whatever it was the next night. Uh, there, there is a really hilarious blog post about, uh, I think it's on on the Heat SB Nation blog today, about how like the Heat's best play is the Kelly Olenek keeper. <laughs> right. And it, 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 there's actually like just some very convincing highlights when you watch them. <laughs> but it is like watching a moose with its legs tied together <laughs> roll towards the hoop. Okay. <laughs> uh, I don't know it, on any given night there is one of nine dudes who could go off or cost them the game mm-hmm. uh, I do not want to see them in the playoffs nope. they won like one of the games of the year I thought was like that that game they played the other night where it was like the, against the Nuggets against the Nuggets yeah. which Double is in overtime. terms of like yeah. straight up like methamphetamine basketball <laughs> but I don't know what to make of this team I don't know if I trust them I don't know if I'm I, I don't know how I feel about them yeah, and Hassan Whiteside hasn't played in six games. Yeah, Bam mm-hmm. is like a like probably was is Bam like a top six pick if you redraft the the draft now? I think I would. He's up there. I would. Yeah, he's up there. He's just he's making Whiteside kind of like 
okay, you're there, you, you're useful at times, but we can play with Bam too. You know, obviously he's still young and raw, but he's been impressive. Yeah, Spo has done a really good job this year in taking advantage of some of these kind of raw athletic five four types who are probably just as tall as like your wing. And I do wonder like next year or two years from now what this team is going to look like just because him, Justice Winslow, some of the other defensive players that they have here. This season, I remain unconvinced. Just like it just feels like they've been taking advantage of certain matchups, certain uh, just game plans and advantages in that route. But like when it comes down to your horses, like I, I just don't see it. Yeah. I mean, you're still playing Tyler Johnson too much I mean, and, and all that. To Chris's point, I think the thing with them is you just don't want to see them because there's always a chance that like they could put together four four games of you know Wayne Ellington, James Johnson, uh, Dragic, Dragic, and then Wade. Yeah, you know, and, and all have like amazing nights, and then you're suddenly you you lost a series. I think that's a danger with them. It's funny you should mention Dwayne Wade. Uh, he he had some things to say for our boss <laughs> um, this <laughs> week right. on Twitter because yeah. Bill was Bill was talking about how. With this increasingly depleted Boston roster, he is not really excited to see the the Heat in the uh, in the playoffs. I I have to assume that what all this Kyrie stuff like I think we'll see Kyrie in the playoffs. But this is a really banged up Boston team right now, and I wouldn't be surprised if they got into a dogfight with the Heat, yeah. like a six game fight with them. Yeah, I don't know who Boston would want to see at this point. I'm I'm a little worried. The yeah, Bucks, they're, the Bucks, they're in tough. The, <laughs> the, yeah, the answer is the Bucks. Yeah. For any of the teams in the Eastern Conference playoffs, <laughs> the answer is the Bucks. I don't know if Gian, like Giannis has rolled his ankle or whatever, but like yeah. even with Giannis right now, they just seem to have forgotten how to play basketball with huh. each other. He's still so dangerous and so good to me that I just still would not want to have him barreling down like whatever team I'm rooting for. Well, that'll be exciting to see. We'll yeah. be exciting to see if Giannis can find like this gear to like, to, like will the Bucks to any playoff wins. Playoff but right Giannis. now they're like slated to play against the Raptors. I don't think that they're going to catch the heat, honestly, the way that things are going. So I think that they're going to wind up playing Toronto and that's going to be a real test for them. All right. Until next week for Apollo and Justin, this is Chris Ryan. Take care. Basketball is very good. Basketball is very good. I wash away my sanity. I don't even know what to say about this. I want to feel the thunder. I don't know the next word.